Hi, and welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, and time to talk about what we've been reading. Um, this is the end of fall break, so I've had quite a few books. I've had more time to read than usual. Um, and I guess I'll just go first and go through them. That's fine. Okay. The first one I finished was Start With Hello by Shannon Martin. That book came out, I think, on Tuesday of this past week. I was on her launch team, so I had a copy earlier, and... I've talked about Shannon Martin on here before. She likes to write about how to be part of an actual neighborhood and what it means to live at, like the Christian life as somebody's neighbor. This book was the least explicitly Christian of any of her books, but it was also the most explicitly about the specifics of living in community with other people and being a good neighbor. It was part manual for how to do this and really part love letter to the neighborhoods and the people that we all live with and among and especially for the ones who it's harder to love the ones that we just want to write off and say okay that really didn't mean you as my neighbor you do your thing and I'll do mine Mm -hmm. um I thought it was probably her best book she's ever written and that's saying something because she is a magnificent writer lots of her books read kind of like poetry. She's a queen of a good metaphor. Um, And I just thought this was really gorgeous. If you are a person who lives around other people, as many of us are, even if you're not, like my parents aren't in a neighborhood like we are, but they have neighbors. So, I mean, it really is all of us. This is a book worth reading, a Mm -hmm. book worth checking out to remind ourselves of what it means, both when we isolate ourselves and try to pretend that we don't owe anything, can't benefit from knowing the people around us, um, and also like just what great benefits there are when we do. Community matters, and it's a weird, fractious time, so yeah, the help is probably timely and welcome. And let me just say, both of us are complete introverts. Shannon Martin is also an introvert, so she makes it clear from the beginning that introverts are not off the hook on this. (laughs) She's writing this as much to herself as anybody, so yeah, it's excellent. Then I finished A Curious Faith by Lori Wilbert. This is also a book that came out this year. It is the skinniest, tiniest little book, and I think it's probably taken me a couple of months to read through it. It's 32, I believe, short little chapters about um, the questions that we ask in a life of faith and about how God is not afraid of our questions, God is not offended by our questions, and God really wants us to ask our questions. And it's also about the questions that God asks in the Bible. We had a pastor one time who said, God never asks a question that he doesn't already know the answer to. The questions are really there for us to figure out and to grow. Mm -hmm. And I think Lori Wilbert would agree with that. Um, And also that sometimes God's questions are an invitation for us to ask our questions back. It was just a very thoughtful, meditative book. I did not want to rush through it. I didn't want to just rip through and, and tear to the end because these were essays worth thinking about for anybody who is a person of faith. Sure. Then I read The Winners by Frederick Bachman. So I finished this tiny, skinny little book and then jumped to this 600-page behemoth. (laughs) Um, This is apparently the third in the Beartown trilogy. And although we love Frederick Bachman and we've read several of his books, A Man Mm -hmm. Called Uva is our favorite, Mm -hmm. we hadn't read any of the Beartown trilogy. And I kind of feel like maybe that was a mistake. I was really excited to read The Winners because, oh, yeah, it came out, but I never read Beartown or anything else. Now, this was a standalone book. I I don't feel like, like I understood the story. I was with it the whole time, even though I did not read the other two books. 
But I also feel like possibly there's a lot of richness in this story that I may have missed mining because of not having read those other two books. And I really felt like love him as I do and love these characters as I do. This book broke my heart from page one all the way through to page 600 and something. I honestly, in the first hundred pages, was not sure I was going to keep reading. I thought I was just going to dump it, maybe go read Beartown, and then see if there were more ways to pull myself into it. Mm -hmm. His writing hooked me. His characters hooked me. And they are why I stuck with it. But this was just a very, very hard, heartbreaking book all the way through to me. Uh, there were some moments of hope. There were sweetness. There were some funny moments. But the main thing... I think of when I think of reading this book is just how sad it was. Well, don't start with Return of the Jedi, basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I think if you haven't read any of the others, you should probably start, maybe. I think maybe someday I'll go back and read Beartown, but honestly, the winner's so emotionally exhausted me that I don't know if I want to go back to Beartown, ever. Um, the next one I read is called The Cheat Sheet by Sarah Adams. I read her book, When in Rome, uh, I talked about it on the last podcast that we yeah. read. And I basically picked it up right here because after the emotional exhaustion of the winners, I just needed something fun and something sweet. And this was perfect for that. Um, Sarah Adams writes happy books. I've seen lots and lots of people describe her books that way. I've seen her like repost that on Instagram. I think that's her goal. She wants to write happy books and she 100% succeeds. So, um, if When in Rome was an enemies to lovers kind of book, the cheat sheet was a uh, friends to lovers sort of book. These two have been best friends forever, and they are terrified to, um, for e each of them are terrified to speak up and say that they actually are in love with the other because of fear of ruining their friendship. That could be a really boring story, but she sets these two in a really interesting career type relationship and, um, especially the male main character's family background is kind of interesting as well. Um, it was just, like I say, fun all the way through, and I just needed a dose of happy after the winners. Always a place for that, certainly. Then I read One True Loves by Taylor Jenkins Reid. My sister gave this to me and said that I had to read it. She had picked it up at Barnes & Noble, and she loved it so much. We love Taylor Jenkins Reid around here. Daisy Jones and the Six mm -hmm. is my absolute favorite of her books. I will say for me, I don't think that there have been any of her other books that have lived up to Daisy Jones, and I think that's just because of the personal re personal resonance of Daisy, Daisy Jones for me. Um, I thought that it really clicked some things in me. Um, this one, though, was really, really such a great story. So in this one, the main character, Emma Blair, she marries her high school sweetheart, Jess. They have this beautiful marriage of all the things that they have dreamed for themselves in high school, travel and all kinds of stuff. And then he is in a helicopter crash and he goes missing and he is presumed dead. So she has to rebuild her life. They've only been married for one year when this happens. She rebuilds her life. She figures out what she wants in it now in this period of grief that her life is not going to be what she imagined it would be with Jess. And eventually she gets engaged to another man and that's when Jess calls her, and he's been found. He's been trying to get back to her this whole time. So there's this question here, of course, you know, who, who is she going to pick? There's, um, gosh, I feel like there have been a lot of old movies made about this very premise. I was going to say, I watched an episode of Night Court not long ago that, <laughs> that was very similar. But this book is very unique. It does not fall into any of the old cliches any of the traps of those kinds of movies, it would have been really easy for her just to rewrite the same old story, but that's not how Taylor Jenkins Reid works. At one point in this book, 
um, Emma's best friend says to her, I think that you have to figure out who you want to be now. It's less about which man do you want to be with, but it's more about who are you going to want for your, like who, what self are you going to want to live mm -hmm. with for the rest of your life? And I found that to be a very interesting question for everybody, no matter if you're trying to, you know, choose between your long lost, now not dead husband and your current fiance. Um, it was a really strong examination of self and an examination of what it means to be in a relationship with somebody, um, what it means to truly love another person and all the different kinds of loves that we can have. So Christy was 100% right. This book was magnificent. I praise. Then I read Ivona Iverson's, uh, sorry, not Ivona, Ivona Iverson's Rules for Commuting by Claire Pooley. She wrote The Authenticity Project, which I talked about on this podcast whenever I read that one a long time ago. This one is about Iona Everson who commutes to her job in London every day. She's a columnist and she is a highly opinionated older woman. And we all know that older women lots of times get shunted to the side. Nobody seems to really see you anymore after probably the age of 40. Um, you don't catch the eye as much. And this, this is not something that she is accustomed to, both in her job, where she's definitely experiencing the effects of ageism, and then again on the train. She wears flamboyant outfits. Um, she's had this flamboyant, exciting life, but now it seems to be stagnating. And so Iona breaks her own rules for commuting, same rules that everybody has everywhere, right? You don't, if you're on the train, you don't make eye contact. Oh, yeah. You definitely don't speak to other people. Definitely not in London. You maybe, don't, yeah, yeah, and this is in London. Right. And you, you just don't see other people. You exist in your own little bubble. But she breaks her rules, and she um, kind of, on purpose and kind of accidentally, creates this whole little community of other misfits who are also desperately hoping that somebody would see them. Hmm. Really, really kind and inspirational book. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then I read Love in Other Words by Christina Lauren. Um, Christina Lauren is a, I think it's the first name of both of the women who write these books. They're a writing duo and they've written a ton of books wow. together. Yeah. I read a couple of things by um, them in holidays. It was one of the Christmas books I read last year or the year before. I can't remember when I read it. Um, but this book sounded intriguing enough that I pulled it back up. Um, I saw somebody talking about it on Instagram, I think. So in this book, you've got two best friends in high school. Um, the main character, who's a girl, has lost her mother, and she and her father are trying to figure out how to cope. One of the ways she copes is losing herself in books. And when they buy a weekend house, she finds... Um, a teenage boy sitting in her closet reading when they come to the open house. And he is the next door neighbor. He has often sneaked over into this very closet to read. It's the closet her father turns into a library for her and it becomes both of their havens. And so this follows them on through their life, through misunderstandings, through the way they break each other's hearts, and through the way that books and their constant friendship and love for each other bring them back together. Hopefully they stopped breaking into random other houses to sit they, and They read. didn't have to. She owned it then. Their family owned it. <laughs> right, There's no right, need to break right. in anymore. It was a joke. Not um, a good one. But... At least you recognize that. All right. Last one for me is Bittersweet by Shauna Nequist. This is another reread. It is just my continual quest right now. The only book challenge I'm really on, which is to reread Shauna Nequist's books in order start to finish. Honestly, I think Bittersweet is my least favorite of them. 
um, because it seems to be less personal story and more just kind of explanation drawing us through. Bittersweet is the based on the premise that in life we we have to take the bitter and the sweet together. That they you can't have one without the other, and that both of the things work. Both of those kinds of experiences work together to lead us into the lives we really want to live. It is a good book. I just think Shauna Nyquist is best when she's telling some stories. You just surprised me with this because I would have guessed it was your favorite because I feel like maybe it's just because the cover of this book is brilliant and so <laughs> unique that it feels like it's always around. It's got a great cover to it. Every time I see it, I want a cookie. Yeah, well, it's that pale blue with the dark chocolate broken cookie uh-huh. on the front. Yeah. yeah. I know it's a really, it's a beautiful book. I'm not saying that it's not. And Saying that it's like my least favorite is like kind of saying, you know, what's your least favorite dessert that you really still right, want to eat every right. day. I love it. It's a great book. It's just if I was going to rank them, that one would probably come last for me because yeah. I love her story. Minor masterpieces can still be masterpieces. Absolutely. Sure. And if you have never read Shauna Nequist and this is the one you pick up, you'll fall in love with it too. It's wonderful. Okay. So I have talked much longer than I ever talk. It's your turn. Uh, I don't have a lot to talk about, so it'll be pretty quick. But uh, start with the guy who wrote with the duo who could have called themselves John Paul or Paul John, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. All You Need Is Ears by George Martin. It uh, came out years and years ago. George Martin passed away not long ago. And I had really looked forward to this, but I think the subtitle was kind of the key here. The subtitle was The Inside Personal Story of the Genius Who Created the Beatles. Huh. And as I said to you before we started the podcast today, I didn't know George Martin. I never met George Martin, but I do know that George Martin would not have said that <laughs> of himself. No. It's immodest. It's misleading. And also, this is one of the least personal autobiographies imaginable. Maybe it's his British reserve, but I just read the Kenneth Womack two-volume biography of Martin here in the last year, and it was so good. And Martin's own book is so hit and miss there there's very little personal here it's just it's hard to write about yourself and and a lot of it bogs down in arcane talk about the music industry and and Which production are the he's interested in he's not yeah. interested in his own life he's interested yeah. in the things that sound cool to him right and the irony being that most of the production and music industry stuff is obsolete now because he wrote this shortly before i was born if my memory of the timeline is right mm. So that's all gone, but but we want to know what those guys from Liverpool were really like. And he doesn't what really go into when, it. Not a ton. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. Enough to know that there were stories, but, but a lot of them, you know. Well, they were lost. all still alive then, yes? There were they probably were. things he couldn't tell. They were, uh, yeah. And, and it's sad that he outlived two of them, yeah. uh, but... You know, again, for me, it's not that, that it's not worth doing. If you love the Beatles like I do, you'll find some interesting nuggets here. But I, I recommend the uh, the two-volume biography by Kenneth Womack, which I think probably is the definitive account of George Martin and who he was. And start there if you want to learn more about him. There, There's definitely more than the Beatles in his story. Uh, but Womack does a pretty good job of telling it. So Excellent. I'd go there. On the other hand, a work of... Biography. Actually, it's not the other hand, uh, but it's a biography that does a very good job of painting a full picture of somebody. Howard Bryant's Ricky, the life and legend of an American original. Uh, excited to see Howard Bryant's new book here. Uh, his Hank Aaron biography is excellent, and he wrote some, uh, I don't know, YA, I guess, sports books that my son loves. We've read at least two, maybe three of them. 
the bottom line is Howard's just a very good parse through the garbage and get to the important bits kind of rider. Uh, and I didn't know a lot about Ricky Henderson, and he does a good job contextualizing Ricky, uh, both in terms of the African-American migration out of the Deep South into Oakland, which was where Ricky came up and spent most of his career, uh, and does a good job of rounding out a guy who, who had a tendency to get kind of step and fetchedized by the mainstream media. Uh, Ricky was exciting, and, and he was black, and... He did all of his feats in a time when that seemed to matter, the latter seemed to matter a lot more than it probably would today. Uh, you get a more complete idea of where he came from and who he was. I mean, a complicated, often contradictory guy, but at heart, uh, a, a pretty remarkable personality and a real character. And, and Bryant does a good job of being fair to a living subject and yet still hitting all the salient points. That's awesome. So yeah, I would uh, I'd recommend it, and uh, if you didn't particularly dive in on Ricky Henderson again, Bryant's Hank Aaron biography. Let me look and see the last hero, a life of Henry Aaron, and you'll notice it's Henry, not Hank. The people who knew him called him Henry. Uh, that's probably an even better book, but that's not a slide at all to Ricky. Both very good, both very enjoyable, both books I'd recommend. Awesome. Oh. Uh, so that brings us to the shared read. It does. Which is Michael Pollan's Food Rolls. And I talked about it last week a little bit, so why don't you remind us what it's about? Well, it is what it says it is. It's rules about what to eat, how to eat, when to eat. But, I mean, it's not a hard and fast rule book. Pollan is very clear to say we know so little about nutrition and the underlying science. Consider it a book of suggestions. Consider it a book of principles. And to the extent that you can follow them, maybe they will help you be healthier and, and eat better. Um, and, and most of it really boils down to a handful of concepts which are not particularly difficult and are essentially pretty common sense. Well, I picked it up because of all of the conflicting advice that you hear from all different corners. Intuitive eating versus dieting versus whatever. I don't know. Some people say uh, you should eat mostly vegetables and really fruit is not that great for you. And of course, there's the whole red meat controversy, and just everybody seems to have a different opinion. You never really know who is selling their opinions and who isn't. Um, I tend to, in my own food planning and eating, I tend to stick to the things that have kind of been constants for my whole life in mm -hmm. the way, you know, everything keeps changing, but what are the things that people still say that they also said when I was a kid? But I thought it would be worth picking up something um, like this to just kind of contextualize things. And I felt yeah. like he did a really good job of that. He really does. I mean, you're not going to come away with hard and fast litanies of, of this is that and that is this and never have one of those and have three of these every day. It's not that kind of mm -hmm. book. But I mean, his overarching principles are things like eat real food as opposed to processed food. Uh, eat less. Eat more plants and less meat. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I appreciate the fact that he, he's like, look, be common sense. He, he dropped the, the great Oscar Wilde bomb late in the book where it's, you know, all things in moderation. And then Wilde says, including moderation. <laughs> you know, he, he said, you know, some people don't do seconds or sweets or sugars except on days that start with S, which is a pretty neat way of saying, you know, okay, leave yourself a little wiggle room. You know, have cake on your birthday. It's, it's you don't need to have it every day, but you can have it when it's a special occasion. Sure. Um 
I found very interesting where he talked about, again, the, the, the empirical evidence for the health benefits of having a glass of red wine daily. And he basically said, we don't know why this is. Yeah, people have been reluctant to be like, yeah, go out and drink for <laughs> obvious reasons. But you know, until we understand better why this is what it is, not a bad idea to do. So, you know, there's a lot of common sense and, and there's a lot of just, just really contextualizing yeah. things into into workable ideas. Yeah. Uh, like for me, one of the things that has helped me that seemed to go along with what he's saying is meal planning, which is not for us a hard and fast kind of thing. We can change our mind at the last minute if our plans change and they often do, but it helps me to figure out how to balance my food if I know at the start of the day at least a general idea of what or how or when I'm going to eat. Like if I know I have to eat a meal out, I don't know have to. I don't have to know what that meal is going to be, but I also know that I tend to eat differently out than at home. Mm-hmm. And so, like reading his rules kind of helped me think in my mind about the things like that that I'm already doing, and then what were some other changes I could make. Yeah, yeah, it, just a very enjoyable, light, again, heavy on common sense. I, I love one of his rules was. Only eat foods that your grandmother would recognize as food. And that's a good way of condensing about four of his key thoughts into one. And it's a pretty common sense, easy thing to do. And I mean, you know, we're, we're fortunate. you got a grandmother who's still around. And, and I found myself <laughs> sitting around being like, does she eat that? Does she know what that is? If I was like, hey, you want one of these? Would she be like, what on earth is it? Because if so, there's probably a good reason that, that people didn't eat that when she was young. You know? Yeah, and I think about that. And I think about my great-grandmother with whom I used to spend whole weekends when I was little. And she definitely... You know, embraced some processed foods. She used to keep bacon bits for me to eat by the handful if I wanted to, you know? Easier than cooking bacon, sure. Yeah. But, but yeah, thinking about that, would would they know that, you know, these, I'm thinking about those long, weird um, ropes of gummy that have nerds on them, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they would not know what that is. No, no. <laughs> and with good reason. Yeah. So, anyway, you know, if you're, if you're interested in in nutrition and in what you eat and what you think about what you eat, it might be worth checking out. It's also really, really short, a very fast read. Yeah. Our next one, uh, stumbled onto it at Off Square Books in Oxford, Mississippi, RTM, uh, promotional pitch there. I love that place and enjoyed getting a chance to swing by there and picked up a book, Sight Unseen. It just looked like a good one. Uh, We're both reading it because you've already read me about, oh, the first third or so of it. And I read it. I started that, reading it on the way home from Oxford to you. Yeah, and, and within about twenty or thirty pages, there was a re- realization for both of us that I had chosen very, very well. Well, the first chapter, I think we both laughed so hard, and the second chapter, I was sobbing so hard that my daughter was reaching around behind me in the seat to like make yeah. sure I was okay. It is straight up gorgeous. Okay, did you say the title of it? No, I did not. I was looking to see. Unfortunately, I think the subtitle is covered up by the price sticker, so so we'll only (laughs) have the main title. No, it's not on the title page either. Uh, I looked. Okay. So we'll just go with the main title. It has a subtitle. I can't tell what it is. Okay. Okay. Will the Circle Be Unbroken? A Memoir of Learning to Believe You're Going to Be Okay by Sean Dietrich. Uh, Who goes by Sean of the South on Instagram, social media stuff. You 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 have have looked him up. uh, You know, high, high praise. 
oh off my of the first third of this. Can't wait to read the next two thirds. So feel free to grab it and join in with us. He has a new book out, you've told me. Yes, it's called You Are My Sunshine. And I am going to pick that up this afternoon at the library. We'll report back to you on that as well. Yeah. Um, but again, just reiterating, this book is so good, you guys. I read you the first like 12 chapters and then I sat down to read chapter 13, I think it was, by myself. And then I shut the book and was like, no, just tell me when you have time, I'm going to read you this one too. Because <laughs> it's the kind of book you just need to share with somebody. I, I don't agree. know how you could not enjoy this book as much on your own. Absolutely. So we'll be enjoying it. Feel free to join in. And otherwise, uh, hit us up on social media or email. Oh, yeah. You can email us at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod. And you can find us on Twitter at pbackreaderspod. Hope everybody's enjoying the swing into fall and whatever else you're doing, carving your pumpkins, making your pumpkin spicy things. I can't think of anything else you really do with pumpkins, but (laughs) make sure whatever else you do, keep reading.